Welcome to Phone Booth Fighting, everybody. I am Richard Hunter. I'm in America. Where are you, Frank? I'm down in Manchester, enjoying the other side of the pond. Frank Muir over in Manchester, England, another international edition of your twice-weekly free podcast here at Phone Booth Fighting. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, iCloud, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever podcasts are made available. Do us a favor, go to our iTunes page, search Phone Booth Fighting MMA. Give us five stars on the review, and if you have a moment, write a favorable line or two. Those are really helping out to keep us near the top of the iTunes podcast rankings, and it doesn't cost you a thing, but uh, you are paid back with eternal appreciation from myself and my partner, Frank, and we like to read those five-star reviews on the air as well, and we'll get back to doing that as soon as we can get Frank home uh, from England, but uh, you're over there doing... uh, seminars right and uh an acb you're working in some play-by-play that sort of thing yeah and then actually tomorrow night i'll actually be at the tanko which uh, you know a friend of mine carl prince who's uh, one of the matchmakers for acb it's his own show here being leads uh in, in manchester and so uh i was going to call those fights too but you know it looks like uh you know the acb is more happy with me just you know we're keeping it more just with them and so uh you know i'm going to be more of a spectator and uh you know, keeping an eye out for, for any talent and, uh, you know, just uh, being more of an ambassador. We got a lot of, we got a big fight weekend to talk about here. Uh, Bellator is uh, putting on arguably the biggest, well, not, I don't think it's even an argument, the biggest presentation of their promotional life. And we got Matt Mitrione here in a minute. I uh, uh, talked to Matt a little earlier this morning, a lot earlier this morning, actually. It was like 6 a.m. Uh, about his fight coming up with Fedor. We've got uh, all that to get to, but just to can finish uh, to finish setting the stage. So we got Frank over there in England, uh, me over here uh, holding down the fort in the southern Nevada area that we call home. You know what you're doing over there, Frank? It's kind of, I was thinking about this today because you were talking about like getting back to the apartment that you're staying in and the seminars uh, that you're doing and stuff like that. And I was thinking, you know, this is sort of how uh, porn stars do it when they escort on the side they'll like they'll like go over to england set up an apartment just do like private appointments and just kind of commute back and forth to the uh to the apartment so uh, you kind of live in that porn star dream whether you realize it or not yeah i mean people are paying me for my time so i guess uh <laughs> you know, on the ground rolling around but just uh a little less penetration. Well, speaking of uh, paying somebody for your time and a lot more penetration, I'm actually right now in the brothel, and uh, I knew we were going to tape because of the time difference, so I just carved out a little time. But I'm I had to find a quiet room, so I'm back in one of our VIP suites. But just just fair warning, if uh, if somebody comes through here looking to have sex, I may either have to relocate. Or we just may let them go at it in the background if it doesn't distract you too much from breaking down fights. <laughs> It'll be good background noise. I'm sure the fans will appreciate. Yeah, exactly. And who doesn't enjoying who doesn't uh, enjoy having sex to the soundtrack of a quality mixed martial arts podcast like Phone Booth Fighting? You know that's why that that's why that's why. 
That's why Earth's Brew sponsors us, Frank. The plant-based taste of Nirvana. Earth's Brew, a great-tasting, health-conscious, functional tea that provides its effects within minutes. It uses a synergistic mix of evidence-backed plant and herbal ingredients to promote a sense of high-functioning, active calm. It relieves stress. It boosts metabolism and focuses the mind to enhance work school, or play. 15 calories, no artificial sweeteners or coloring, and compatible with vegan diets like mine, low-carb keto diets. I think uh, our buddy Brendan from Fighter and the Kid does keto, and other popular health-conscious diets. You, know, you talk about the relaxation uh, benefits of Earth's brew and uh, you know trying to unwind, whether it's uh, you and I have talked about doing it after uh, jujitsu training or uh, podcasting when our minds are spinning. But our producer, Travis, uh, has taken to the Earth's Brew Regimen after he gets done uh, with a hard day of manual labor out there uh, building highways and byways. So uh, whatever your chosen profession is, uh, Earth's Brew has uh, many essential benefits for you to aid in your relaxation. And uh, as Frank is fond of pointing out, just 15 calories per serving. So if you're watching the weight, Frank, or you got a weight cut to make or something like that, Earth's Brew uh, would be a welcome addition, I would think. Yeah, and I'm glad you actually threw a box in my bag before I left and uh, just for helping me out with the time changes of traveling from Russia to England, going to Poland. Uh, you know, when I get home, it helps me uh, actually be able to relax and try to get my uh, my clock back on set. That's what I do. Uh, I, uh, Jennifer, uh, Mrs. Mir, packs your bag with clothes, and then I come along and pack it with sponsor products and also uh, podcast paraphernalia and merchandise. So, yeah, so to, together we uh, we make a pretty effective team. Uh, go to earthsbrew.com right now. Put in the promo code phone booth. That's promo code phone booth for 10% off all purchases at checkout. Phone booth fighting appreciates the support of earthsbrew.com and they appreciate your support. And that's why they make that promo code available to you exclusively for phone booth fighting listeners, earthsbrew.com. Also, we want to thank everybody for continuing to visit phoneboothfighting.com, ordering our merchandise, uh, all T-shirts right now, uh, still for at least a little bit of limited time or 20% off. There's lots of people taking advantage of that discount, Frank. I went to the post office yesterday, and in addition to mailing out a bunch of packages uh, all across America, I mailed a couple of packages to Ireland, I mailed uh, a package to a uh, number of packages over there in the UK where you are today. Uh, I even sent one over to Sweden. Uh, shout out to our Uber fan, Hans Bjorklund. I like Hans for a couple of reasons. One, because he uh, spells his name with umlauts. You know, like the two dots over the, the A or a U or something like that, the way they do? I, I keep meaning each year as a New Year's resolution, I promise myself that I'm going to start spelling uh, Hunter with umlauts over the U, and I always forget it, but but maybe 2018 uh, Hans can help remind me. But I, I, I wanted to give him a shout-out, Frank, because Hans has, I think he must own every piece of merchandise we have. He's ordered every shirt we've put out in every color, plus an autographed poster, 
So uh, there may be a bigger supporter out there, but uh, if there is, Hans is going to give you a run for uh, your money. So thank you, Hans. for. Uh, we go ahead and declare him the president of uh, the phone booth fighting uh, fan club chapter over there in Sweden. I think that's fair to do. Sounds good to me. He deserves it. <laughs> I think he does. All right, and also, guys, thank you for clicking on that Amazon banner. It's right there on the front of phoneboothfighting.com. We see your support. Those numbers are coming up. And, uh, Frank, tell them a little bit about uh, what that involves and maybe more importantly what it doesn't involve in terms of uh, no added costs or anything like that, but how uh, our listeners can help support the podcast by going to Phone Booth Fighting and clicking on that Amazon banner. Why would they do it? Well, I think it's above and beyond the easiest way to support our podcast. You're doing your normal shopping and no additional charge to yourself. We get a, you know, when you do your purchases and, and you're getting your products and all the necessities that, and the wants that you need, um, at that point then a small percentage that, uh, Google kicks back to us, or excuse me, uh, Amazon kicks back to us and allows us to, uh, use towards the show. And so as far as effortless, all you have to do is click on our banner and that's about all it takes out of your uh, your time i know a lot of you are doing it we we see the daily progress and the totals on there thank you thank you thank you and uh if you haven't yet and uh you shop on amazon it seems like just about everybody does just go to phoneboothfighting.com click on that amazon banner and uh, do your amazon shopping from there and frank and i do genuinely appreciate that support all right frank let's talk fights bellator is live in new york city madison square garden on pay-per-view this saturday night uh quick programming note if you're like me and you don't have cable i have uh, managed through the miracle of apple tv and uh, amazon fire and roku and all those kind of things to get every cable channel i need a la carte without having to deal with uh, the big cable companies or satellite providers but the, the 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 weird part about that is it's been a while since i've had to uh, think about ordering a pay-per-view uh, outside of the UFC. So all of a sudden this one came up and I was like, oh, wow, how do I do this? I don't have a button to push on a remote, but you can uh, apparently get it uh, off of Bellator's YouTube channel. So that's how I'm going to plan to view it. I think it's uh, $49.95 over there. All right, Saturday night, uh, good friend of the show, the American gangster Chael Sonnen, finally, after years of delay, Frank, faces off against the axe murderer, Vanderlei Silva. Uh, both these guys come in with uh, a wealth of experience on their resumes. Uh, gosh, nearly 100 fights between them. Chael 28 and 15, Vanderlei 35 and 12. You know, we've talked a lot the last couple of weeks about Vanderlei not one to engage too much with Chael face-to-face -face doing media. And I don't know if you saw over the last couple of days, but when they finally did at the pre-fight event there in New York City, a little shoving broke out. So uh, now both guys have made weight, and the fight is on. What do you anticipate? Well, you know, the thing is that you know, Vandalay is always going to be a dangerous guy. You know, I've trained with him. You know, he has explosive hands. He hits hard. You know, his last fight in the UFC, his last professional fight uh, period back in 2013, you know, he was able to knock out Brian Stan, um, you know, and put him to sleep. Uh, that being said, in 2013, he hasn't competed in four years. And I know he has a wealth of knowledge and experience and, uh, and whatnot, but, uh, you know, Chael Sorenoff has a wealth of knowledge and has competed not only just fighting, but also in grappling competitions. And there's something to be said about that constant 
exposure to competition that keeps you ready. And, uh, you know, I just think that Chael has all the tools required to nullify Vandalay and take him down and, and punish him and, and be able to uh, avoid the, uh, you know, the uh, axe murders uh, stand-up uh, onslaught. Yeah, I think Chael uh, would would in all likelihood certainly be the the fresher fighter, having competed more recently, and you know even the fact that he came up short against Tito Ortiz, uh, you know has very recent experience in his background, and uh, you know Vanderlei is going to be uh, a, a smaller opponent than Tito was certainly on the night of the fight, even though this is being contested at the same. Uh, light heavyweight level. Do you think that the emotions play into this at all? I mean, I think for Chael, it's it's just it, a very effective tool in terms of a way to sell a fight. You know, he'll even pull back the curtain and kind of make light of the fact that, look, I'm just, a, a, at the end of it, I'm just trying to help Vanderlei sell a fight for both of us, but Vanderlei is a little short on words and he gets frustrated when uh, when I talk a lot and he doesn't necessarily have a lot to say in response. But I think for Vanderlei, this is real and genuine and personal and he really takes great exception to, to Chael. Do you think that's the kind of thing that can rattle a veteran like Silva? I think so. I think it would be fight with a lot of emotion. I think that it could be very dangerous to do so with Chael because if, you know, Vandalay is overzealous and just kind of, you know, it comes out too aggressive, I think he easily gets dumped onto his butt and taken down. I think that when you see a strike, you're dealing with a very good grappler that has a good takedown, such as Chael. There has to be a lot of patience as far as, you know, looking for your shots, setting up your strikes. You can't really just run in there and, uh, you know, and, and throw for the uh, the the, the, uh, the uh, bleachers because there's a chance now that you know he just ducks under and, and throws you down, and, and that's the issue. But you know, this Chael is it's a business. You know, Chael is promoting fights. You know, Chael is a constant businessman inside and outside of the uh, the fighting arena. Uh, the problem is that the Vandalay doesn't seem to be able to disassociate selling a fight and actually personally making remarks to Vandalay. Uh, you know, Vandalay is alike to a guy who's watching pro wrestling and thinks it's real. Uh, you know, and so he's, you know, a sensitive guy. You know, Vandalay is actually a very uh, genuine, nice guy who I think, uh, you know, on the sensitive side. So when his feelings are hurt, he, uh, you know, he has one way to respond, and that's to try to put his fist through your face. That's the match at the top of the marquee. Uh, the undercard, the co-main event, and it seems kind of crazy to include Fedor Emelianenko's uh, name in a co-main event situation because he's usually headlining any other card. He is going to be taking on UFC veteran Matt Mitrione. Mitrione is going to be making his Bellator debut. We'll break this fight down, but first let's hear from Mitrione himself. Uh, earlier this morning, got on the phone and had a nice chat with Mitrione, previewing his fight against Fedor Emelianenko and also sharing his thoughts on making his Bellator debut. Phone booth fighting. I'm Richard Hunter talking now to uh, one of the guys who's going to be co-headlining the uh, Bellator pay-per-view this Saturday night from Madison Square Garden taking on the legend, the last emperor, Fedor Emelianenko. It's Matt Mitrione. Matt, good to talk to you again, man. How are you? Thanks a lot, my dude. I really appreciate it. Thanks for bringing me back on. 
Got a new life now, so I appreciate it. Man, you do. And let me tell you, just from a, a, a personal standpoint, I am so happy that we're getting to to still see this fight because I know back in February we were all excited for it, and then uh, you had the, the fight with the kidney stone. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know how MMA moves and it's so fast-paced and sometimes fight gets fights get rescheduled or it's forgotten about or whatever. And I was so afraid that, oh, God, I hope they don't make this, you know, fight with somebody else else or pair Matt up with somebody else so you must have been really happy too that you know uh for for the last few months this fight could hold together and still happen you know man uh, first of all i appreciate that sincerely second is that um i'm lucky that uh i'm the i'm the name that stays on the marquee for bellator heavyweights so i was the sexiest fight for fedor possible um and uh and on top of that man fedor fedor is a competitor and I am the best heavyweight that Bellator has. So he wants to fight the best. He wants to compete against the best. And he kind of had to from how poor his showing was against Maldonado. Yeah. So he was like, look, I, I, need, I need a real fight here. I can't take somebody else. Um, and so his, like, not that his hands were tied because he would have chosen me anyways, but there was, there was definitely a, a spot where it's like there's not really other, many other people that he could fight, especially at this time. No, it's definitely the right thing to do, uh, not only for you guys, but, but for the fans as well, and not deprive them of, of sure. getting to see it. I tell you what, though, man, just on a personal note, it's only happened to me one time. I've never had to fight Fedor, but I have had to fight a kidney stone one time. And when I heard that you were still trying to uh, uh, fight, I was like, man, that is maybe the most impressive thing I've ever heard. Because I always tell people, believe the hype. If you have not dealt with this, believe the hype about the kidney stone. So uh, <laughs> credit credit to you Dude, for it was that. Terrible. But, we had, yeah. I had seven liters of fluid in my body cavity, and the stone was so big after it passed through like my, through my kidneys into like my bladder, ureter, or whatever it was, and yeah. I couldn't pee. Dude, it was horrible. My uh, guy. I'm cringing just hearing about it, man. Hey, so you know, yeah, yeah. We, we we've heard a lot about you know you signing the blank contract with uh, with Bellator, and then uh, you know f- finding out Fedor was uh, was the surprise. But you know, I want to ask you about. It, it seems like Bellator. Uh, has really done you right by you know paying off on that faith that you you put in them. Not only delivering you Fedor, but as we were just touching on a second ago, keeping the fight together. You know, uh, I mean, obviously you you uh, you know you put a lot of faith in them by doing something like that. And how important has it been to you to see them you know pay off on their end and and show it back to you? You know, it, it that's a really a very genuine perspective. And I really appreciate you acknowledging that, that, um, that that's really one of the things that I appreciate about, about Bellator, about this promotion is that they, as far as I've seen, and I've been here for a year now, as far as I've seen, they are as integrity filled as, as any organization I could possibly hope to be affiliated with, whether that's corporate America or the fight game. Now saying that is because I came from the UFC, which I, I feel does not have much integrity. I feel like there's a lot of back talking. There's a lot of a lot of sideways work there. Um, so that really doesn't say a whole lot that they're like the most integrity filled promotion. But like as far as company wise or anything else, I think Bellator is, is run extremely well, and I think they're highly accountable for what they say is going to happen. I think actually does happen. Now with uh, with the the fight being rescheduled, this is this is amounted to uh, a longer layoff for you than it, it seems like you normally like to have in your career. I, mean, I guess we're looking at right about a year. But uh, the upside yeah. of that is you have 
already been training for a fight, and Fedor himself has uh, has dealt with about that same amount of time and a layoff after that Maldonado fight. So all that being said, uh, do you think any of that factors in for either one of you in terms of the extended time off from, from the cage? You know, I don't know, man. Um, I, I honestly don't. I don't know when the last time Fedor fought. I don't know when he fought Maldonado was. I don't about, know what the about, a was. about a year ago. But um, it was, so he fought. He fought just recently before that. I didn't know that. No, no, no. I fought about a year ago in July. No, that that's what um, I'm saying. Maldonado was just about a year ago. You guys fought basically right about the same time. The last time you fought. Okay, right yeah. on. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Then, um, you know, it, it's I, I don't know, man. I, I'm still pretty active. I know Fedor's pretty active as well. So uh, hopefully there's no effect whatsoever. Like when I beat Fedor, and I will, um, I want to beat the best Fedor possible. I don't want ring rust. I don't want you know. I don't want him to say I was stagnant for a while, uh, whatever else. I want to beat the legend. I don't want to beat the, the guy that was. So whatever that is, I hope it, I hope it doesn't show up, brother. Yeah. Now obviously you got to come back strong uh, with uh, uh, Bellator does as an organization returning to pay per view. So they definitely got to bring their A game not only with you guys, uh, yourself and Fedor, but uh, this main event of Chael Sonnen and the axe murder Vanderlei Silva that was supposed to happen years ago in the UFC is yeah. is finally happening. So I know uh, Vanderlei has been uh, a little tense around having to do the face to face press with. Chael, uh, no secret there, but I just want to ask you from your veteran's perspective, what's it been like? Uh, I mean, you've worked around Chael before. You, you know, he's the master of, of hype and promotion, but but watching these two butt heads in anticipation of uh, the main event Saturday night. You know what's, what's interesting about Chael is that he, he's a friend of mine. He's a really good dude, uh, and he's, he's actually a pretty solid mentor. Like, for all the ignorant things he says and does, he's, he's, he's a really solid mentor, and he's a good dude. Um, is that he understands that you only get paid to fight on Saturday nights. Um, so he doesn't, he doesn't get tense over stuff. He just lets life be and lets his mouthpiece be his mouthpiece. And, and he really takes things very easily and on and, and a very chill perspective. So, um, I respect chill a tremendous amount. Um, and I think that, uh, I think that this one here, he's, I think he's really excited for this fight. I think he's excited for Tito, but I think this one is something that he really wants to put a stamp on. As one of the, the not only the veterans in uh, in the organization, but but as you were saying earlier, really one of the, the, the marquee faces of, of the Bellator promotion now, you guys have really the perfect setup Saturday night. I mean, not only Madison Square Garden, the biggest stage of them all in America, but uh, the, the fact that, you know, there, there's you guys got the night to yourself. There's no other fights going on, no other huge sporting events and all that kind of thing. So is there, uh, I, I know you're feeling that, but is there kind of talk amongst uh, – you know, Scott Coker and, and all the Bellator crew that, man, this this is really an opportunity, probably unlike any other that Bellator has ever had, to uh, to really turn head Saturday night. I, I, I could not agree more to that. And then if you actually believe that, which I do, that means that on Sunday morning, after all these fights go through, on Sunday morning, Bellator is leading the industry now. The UFC is not. So Bellator can actually take the reins and, and start calling the shots in the industry and where things are going to go. And then the most important thing is, what is Bellator going to do to maintain the industry lead now? Don't give it back. Don't look back. Start going forward and charging your own way. And I think they're going to do that by, by using wearable technologies. I think they're, they're looking at it like to be able to quantify and calculate what's going on with the athlete at the time that they're fighting, 
competing their 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 lactic threshold, their pulse, their velocity, impact, torque, acceleration, deceleration. I think they're going to quantify that, and I think they're going to make the fight game fascinating, almost like a video game where they can watch people and know like what they're doing and how they're doing it. And I think they're going to be trying to do that in sometime in September, and I think that's going to just put them even further ahead of what the UFC is now. There's so much dissension in the ranks in the UFC, and there's so much talk about, well, look, I don't like this. I don't like the way you're robbing me with money here or there. And then there's still talk about the Reebok deal. Well, we've already surpassed that. Everybody's happy financially here, and everybody has sponsor money again. So we've already kind of passed that bridge, and the UFC is still stuck there. So now we can just further put the, the, the horse ahead of the cart. Lorenz Larkin, Michael Chandler, also uh, on the card. Aaron Pico making his uh, much-anticipated debut. And uh, headlining the prelims, Phil Davis and uh, Ryan Bader, free on Spike. So, I mean, all, all... I, I, Let me check that. It's not prelims. It's Bellator 180. So Bellator 180 is the free card, and then oh. they have the pay-per-view card after that. Okay. They're actually putting on two, two full cards in the same night at the same arena, which oh, okay. is pretty intense. Gotcha. So they're actually considering that like yeah. two different How, I mean, Phil yeah. Davis and Brian Bader is going to be one hell of a fight. Yeah. And I'll yeah. be honest with you, man. Lorenz Larkin and, and Lima, good God, that's going to be a great fight. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And, uh, you know, it's it's a great night to really see uh, what the current uh, uh, face of Bellator is doing uh, Saturday night. So, uh, you know, way more fights we could go through. We're out of time. But, uh, Matt, listen, uh, best of luck in there. Like I said, I'm just really happy this fight held together. We're getting to see it, and uh, I, I know it's going to be great Saturday night. So I always appreciate the time with you. Best of luck, and uh, can't wait to see the fight Saturday night. Hey, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it, buddy. So that was a very enthusiastic Matt Mitrione, Frank. And, uh, you know, really before we get into the, the actual matchup with, with Fedor and his comments on that, I thought it was interesting how deliberate he was in taking time to promote Bellator as an organization. I mean, the, you, you heard criticisms of the UFC there that, you know, it, in the, the Reebok era that the, the fighters don't get the promotional opportunities and things like that. But, uh, you know, obviously, very uh, much on board with the Scott Coker era of Bellator and also acknowledging that, you know, he signed that contract to fight Fedor Emelianenko sight unseen. It was a blank contract. He did not know who the opponent was going to be, and that was him showing faith in the organization. And as you heard him affirm to me, he feels like Bellator is now reciprocating that faith in him by not only putting him in this fight, but for example, keeping the fight on schedule, even after he had the kidney stones in February, not going ahead and just matching Fedor up with uh, somebody else. So Mitrione still gets the biggest match of his career. Yeah, I agree. Um, with a lot of what Mitrione is saying, it makes total sense. Uh, you know, and I, I think really it just comes down to the, what he's pointing out. I think a real simple analogy is that, you know, when you have a business and you want it to grow, people will make concessions. They'll give up. They'll like, oh, give the customer a little extra. Let's let's give this away, or let's let's give this, or do this, or spend extra time because in the end it'll pay back. And I think that's really the phase of Bellator's uh, rise right now is that they're like, hey, let's give more to the fighters than maybe necessary. Even let's let's push this product because we know that it's going to pay dividends in the end. Where the UFC. They're at the top of the hill. And that's why they always say, once you're at the top, there's nowhere else to go but down. You you kind of see the difference. I mean, now all the rumblings with the UFC guys that, <clears throat> you know, 
the week of the fight. They're staying at some of the least expensive hotels that they used to can put them at. It's not, you know, their flights are now being done as cheaply as possible. So they're cutting corners, not caring about, like, are we taking care of the fighters? Because we already have a great product, and they're spending their time and energy in other areas. So it makes total sense what Matt's saying. And I think that more people see just that alone, the fact that, you know, you can now go get sponsored again. Because I know that, you know, people say that, well, Reebok only, you know, you know, only kills your sponsorship the night of the fight. You know, the week of the fight, you have to wear Reebok. And the night of the fight, you have to wear the shorts. There's nothing else on them. Uh, but, I mean, that, that's kind of the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard. Because, I mean, yes, we can try to. And, and I, I tried to. I, I, I bought into it. I was like, all right, you're right. I can use my social media. And every other day of the, 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 the month and year, I can try to sell myself. And uh, But guess what? At the end of the day, People are paying to put their name on your shorts when you fight. So Reebok, you know, uh, killed that for everybody. Which, again, going back to what I've said in shows past, just because you have to wear Reebok shorts, why can't you put a sponsorship from a different company on there? I never understood the complete murder of all your sponsorships and banner, like just so that Reebok could have a clean-facing pair of shorts. Well, obviously, Mitrione appreciates uh, having the market uh, for those sponsors. And also interesting, Frank, that he talked about the morale of, of Bellator as an organization because, you know, I pointed out, look, conditions could not be more favorable for Bellator this weekend. Madison Square Garden, uh, tremendous marquee names uh, on the card, like his opponent Fedor, and him for that matter, but Fedor, uh, you know, uh, Vanderlei Silva, Chael Sonnen. And uh, the fact that there's no other major sporting events going on this week. I mean, the deck has been cleared, I think was the way that I put it. You know, the, the field is clear now for Bellator to uh, show everybody what they've got. And Mitrione was indicating that, you know, among the fighters themselves, that there seems to sort of be this collective morale boost that uh, they can really uh, up, you know, take advantage of this weekend to up the the visibility uh, and the familiarity of Bellator to to the, the more co- the uh, the more common casual fan. That's a great attitude to have as a collective group, and it just shows the enthusiasm that the fighters over there at Bellator are having. That I'm not quite catching from the UFC guys. <laughs> Yeah, well, the fight itself, uh, we're kind of burying the lead there because uh, Matt Mitrione is only fighting, uh, you know, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time in Fedor Emelianenko. Now, both these guys, Frank, have been out of action for just about a year, so uh, the, the, the ring rust accumulation would be the same, but I would say what has not been the same is the level of activity because Mitrione, you know, just coming out of the UFC is, has been much more active and, and certainly at a more elite level than Fedor has over the last handful of years. Of course, Fedor was retired there for a couple of years and then when he came back you know his his latest fight with uh Fabio Maldonado did not look good at all uh a lot of people would argue that he didn't even win that fight or shouldn't have won it rather uh via decision uh was really looked like he was in serious trouble there uh at points and then before that you remember he fought the mysterious uh Jadeep Singh who I don't think has been heard from since uh, or before, and uh, so you know the 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 pedigree on uh, 
the last couple of fights for uh, Fedor has not been up to the level that we're used to with him. So that being said, what do you assess that uh, that Fedor has left in the tank here, Frank? And is this the right time for, for Mitrione to catch him and elevate his name off of him if he beats him? I, I think so. I think the stage is set for Mitrione really to make himself more of a household name. Or, and really solidify that he can be up there with some of the best heavyweights in the world. I think Metreon has always had that athletic ability. You know, obviously a former professional football player. Uh, you know, the guy knows how, you know, you can just see the way he bounces around. He probably has one of the better jabs in the heavyweight division. Uh, you know, great movement. He's just, you know, he's always sometimes just not put it together. He's made mistakes in fights, uh, you know. And then also, too, he's had a little bit of bad luck. You know, the Travis Brown fight, you eliminate that eye poke, uh, you know, and who knows how that fight could have went. Uh, it could have went differently. And so, you know, I think that he's tall, long, you know, athletic. Uh, I think he's hungry for it. You know, it just there's, there's so many factors that are going against, uh, you know, me wanting to pick Fedor. And, you know, and, and obviously it's hard. Your reminiscence of, you know, Fedor of old, I just, you know, I haven't seen that Fedor for several appearances. And, and I just keep thinking of, you know, Fabio almost... Uh, uh, you know, put him out like that, then what's going to happen when he fights it? You know, Maldiano is, you know, a tweener. He fights sometimes light heavyweight, fights heavyweight, you know, and we're, you know, uh, Mitrione is a pure heavyweight. And so now he's fighting in a cage. I've seen, you know, Fedor have problems in the past with guys that are not necessarily phenomenal wrestlers. You know, Brett Rogers in the first round, grinded him against the cage, and Fedor, you know, lost that first round. And so, uh, you know, I think that this is a fight for Mitrion really to, to do well and score. And, you know, and uh, it, not that I'm going to be ever surprised if somehow, you know, Fedor can pull it off. Because, you know, the one thing about him that he still possesses is he's very gritty. You know, that first round that he lost against, you know, Maldonado back in Russia, you know, uh, about a year ago, uh, it, it could have very easily been a 10 8 round. I think most of the judges scored it that way. You know, possibly it could have been stopped. He got crushed and was able to come back and, you know, make kind of an argument of just at least, you know, he was there fighting back in the second and third round. And, uh, and, and from what I even understand, I think when they went back and contested the fight, uh, they made it a draw. But the fact that he survived that first round and was able to come back and still be there shows his desire to still fight and still be there. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't completely count him out. I just see too many advantages that Mitrion has for me to want to bet against him. You know, we've talked about the, the main and the co-main events this weekend in Bellator, and we haven't even gotten to the three title fights that are on this card. The first of which is uh, for the welterweight title. Bellator's welterweight champ, Douglas Lima, puts his title on the line against the debuting Lorenz Larkin, a guy that uh, fought in the UFC just back at UFC 202 here in Las Vegas, uh, defeating Neil Magny. And, and this, you know... In the past, Frank, you know, we've seen signings from Bellator where maybe it's guys that are older, that maybe they have a couple of years left on their career, maybe they're bigger names, but uh, they're, they're, they're bringing that name value. But with Larkin, I would argue that you've got a guy here who at 30 years old is in the prime of his career and also a guy who was still pretty hot to say the least, in the UFC. This is a guy who won five of his, or four of his last five fights in the UFC. 
He left the UFC on a two-fight win streak, having defeated Neil Magny and Jorge Masvidal, who are two of uh, the, the best fighters in the UFC's welterweight division themselves. And he steps right into a title shot. I think the title shot is deserved. But more importantly, I think this is an opportunity for Bellator to really show that, hey, you know, now we're in the business of snagging top-tier free agents. I agree. I, I... I remember seeing uh, Lorenz back in uh, in Manchester back in uh, the beginning of March at one of the ACVs, and, and I just remember looking at him and very surprised. I'm like, yeah, that's right. You're with Bellator now. Like, it surprised me that, like, why did they let him go? I mean, uh, you know, I think Lorenz was actually on the upstreak. It's the best, you know. I thought he was really hitting his stride. You know, he's a great athlete. He has great strikes. Uh, you know, good hands, uh, you know, and here all of a sudden he's really putting together some, you know, very uh, dominant wins and out there and over people that are, you know, very known names. I mean, his last win over Neil Magny was extremely impressive. I mean, he kind of shut down Neil's, uh, you know, uh, uh, momentum. And then all of a sudden for him not to be resigned and be allowed to go to Bellator, I thought was a huge mistake on the part of the UFC. Like, I don't understand why. Yeah, it's uh, it's a big signing for Bellator and obviously a huge opportunity for Larkin uh, being able to step right in and challenge for the welterweight title also on that Bellator main card and uh, also uh, in uh, the category of title defenses. Uh, Bellator veteran Michael Chandler puts his lightweight title on the line against the undefeated Brent Primus, who I have not seen fight that often. But if he does not walk out to the cage uh, to uh, Jerry was a race car driver by Primus, then uh, he will need to personally apologize to me. But uh, Michael Chandler, you know, this is a guy, Frank, speaking of of sought after free agents, kind of the opposite of Larkin, like we were talking about, or Mitrione, where Chandler is, I think, over the years, been one of the few guys that the UFC could have looked at outside the organization and said, yep, we would we would take him in a second. I mean, there was there was Chandler, there was uh, there was Fedor. Uh, they just recently signed Justin Gagey out of World Series of Fighting, but uh, you know, the, there were only a few of those type of names, and I think Chandler was always one of them. But you know, he's a guy who has remained loyal to the organization, and now he's got that lightweight title, and uh, that's paying dividends to get him on that um, that main card. So you got to wonder. If uh, a lot of uh, new eyeballs are on Bellator this weekend and they're seeing familiar faces uh, in terms of UFC veterans like the ones that we mentioned, you got to wonder if those same fans may end up watching Chandler for the first time and going, wow, this lightweight world-class talent was in this organization for years and I, I didn't even know he was there. Yeah, I think the Bellator has a great model going down that they use you know guys that are on the other side of their career, let's face it, you know, Chael and, 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 and uh, uh, you know, Vandelay and, and Fedor have more fights behind them than they have in front of them, but they have name recognition. So, you know, people are going to tune on there, but you're not going to have as many years left on those guys as far as being able to profit off of their performances. Uh, they're not going to be fighting 10 years from now, uh, whereas, uh, you know, Michael Chandler and, and, and other guys out there on the card are up-and-coming guys with a huge uh, amount of talent. And so you want to be able to expose the uh, the world to what product you have. So you kind of like bring everybody in, they all come in for, you know, X, but they're going to leave the bot. <laughs> so, you know, and Michael Chandler is one of those guys they're going to uh, 
be able to do so. I mean, I think that's also too why you have the debut of the you know, lightweight and equal on the card. Right. Somebody who's, you know, a future in the sport. And right now, very few people know who he is. But I think that if things go according to plan, um, you know, you're going to tune in to watch Fedor fight or watch the final, you know, uh, conclusion of the feud between Chael Sonnen and Vandalay Silva. But there's so many young guys on the cards that are up and coming that you're going to be impressed and, and have a reason why you come back and watch it. Let's talk about Aaron Pico. Uh, Pico, 20 years old, is making his long-awaited debut in Bellator. When I say long-awaited, uh, my friend Brett, uh, Brett Akimoto, uh from ESPN did actually a great uh, online piece about this, about uh, the the last couple of years of history between Pico and Bellator. The story is this. Pico started training with Bob Cook over at AKA when he was 17 years old. And he called uh, Cook, called uh, Scott Coker, and told him that he had this hot prospect, and Bellator actually put him under a developmental contract. What they've been doing for these couple of years here is they've been paying him a monthly stipend. Uh, he was free to continue to train for the 2016 Olympic wrestling team, which he missed uh, getting on the team by one point, I think. But he was able to do that, uh, get the money for that stipend to, to train under the tutelage of, of AKA. And according to Akimoto's coverage, uh, uh, none other than Lorenzo Fertitta was kind of bummed when he saw that Pico had signed with Bellator and called up Cook and said, well, why didn't you give us a shot? And Cook said, well, you don't have a developmental program. And as uh, Akimoto pointed out, now the UFC has one, I guess. So I don't know if it was inspired completely by this Aaron Pico situation, but if nothing else, it caused him to take notice. Pico is 20 years old. He's from Los Angeles. He's got that amateur wrestling pedigree that I mentioned, Frank, in addition to some Golden Gloves boxing. He kind of, on paper anyway, sounds a little bit uh, like the uh, the Henry Cejudo story, although, of course, Cejudo won Olympic gold. But just in terms of, you know, the disciplines that he brings, how long he's been training and uh, how young he is at this point. So we're going to see uh, him take on Zach Freeman, an 8-2 and two fighter, but, you know, easily one of the 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 hottest professional debuts at the the absolute top level of mixed martial arts that anybody can remember it's the, the best so far that i can think of as far as somebody that has zero professional fighting experience the anticipation and the uh you know the uh, the thought of what he's going to be able to possibly do uh i don't think i can't think of anybody in my mind that's had more uh hope put behind his name. I mean, on paper, and what it appears and all the hype going behind him seems to be completely justified. I mean, the guy went and beat you know, another top division one wrestler, you know, Reese Humphreys. Uh, you know, he went there and you're talking about the, uh, you know, the Olympic trials. They did, you know, he had to wrestle three matches or three different individuals who were all division one uh, champs. He beat two of them. And then on the third guy, he just, he, you know, he lost the last match with the draw, and I believe they had to do like a tiebreaker. Uh, so, I mean, he really missed out on going to the Olympics at the age of 19 by, you know, by just the smallest of margins. And then you put it on top of that, that the guy has Golden Glove experience, uh, the guy has uh, penetration experience, you know, just 
he just he brings so much to the table that I'm uh, I, I can't imagine he's not going to be you know something that in a couple of years from now somebody who's vying for a title even as young as he is. All of that's going to be on Bellator's pay per view card Saturday night, and right before that, over on Spike TV, uh, there's going to be free fights that uh, will be headlined by the Bellator light heavyweight title champion Phil Davis putting it on the line against fellow UFC veteran and debuting Bellator fighter Ryan Bader. And uh, I just point of uh, clarification when I was talking to Mitrione there earlier, I referred to it as the the feature bout on the prelims and Mitrione was saying, no, they're, they're treating this like a separate card. They're calling that Bellator 180. And then the pay-per-view part is Bellator, uh, Sonnen versus Silva. And I don't know if that's just a way to kind of give a little more, um, esteem to Davis and, and Bader, but regardless of, of what you call it, uh, Davis and Bader's fight will be directly preceding the pay-per-view portion free over on Spike TV. And Frank, you know, Phil Davis, Davis was a natural, I think, to to step over to Bellator. He kind of hit that glass ceiling in the UFC's uh, 205 division where it's like he's the perennial contender, but he's got losses to some of the top guys. So it was going to be difficult to put him in line for a title shot at the time. He heads over to Bellator and has done nothing but win over there and uh, most recently has uh, taken that light heavyweight title off of Liam McGarry, so he's the champion now. Bader's making his debut, uh, and and coming over and rematching Davis, that's a fight that Bader won via split decision back in 2015 in the UFC. I don't recall that being a particularly exciting fight, but Bader is on a, not only is he on a two-fight win streak, but if you take away his knockout loss to Anthony Johnson, Frank, he has not he had not lost in the UFC since 2013, having won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of his last eight fights. So again, not not unlike uh, that Lorenz Larkin debut we were talking about. 34 year old Ryan Bader has a chance to uh, to to come over here and and either immediately become the Bellator uh, light heavyweight champion or at least immediately establish himself among the, the top two or three light heavyweights over there. And he is, and this is a fight that really is more or less about um, the, uh, the ranking of the sport. Both these guys are top level light heavyweights uh, in or outside the UFC and the Bellator. And I think that's why this matchup has to be made uh, as far as to elevate up, the next guy who wins. Uh, the only drawback is that the first fight, and that's possibly why guys of this caliber, as far as where they stand in the division, aren't on the pay per view, is that, you know, stylistically, just the way these two guys match up, you know, has the potential to once again be, you know, a drawn out, grinding match that doesn't necessarily, you know, uh, turn fans on as far as to, to want to stick and stay on and, and keep the fight watched. Yep, it's uh it's going to be quite a Saturday night for Bellator and uh on the 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 pay-per-view, the biggest stage, Madison Square Garden, New York City. Everything at least on paper is aligning right for uh Bellator. All the main card fighters made weight today. Um so now all they have to do is deliver in terms of the actual fights and uh, we'll we'll see how they do with that on Saturday night.
So, uh, all right, Frank. Hey, you know what? We have an update for our listeners on something. And in fact, this is an update for you too, because uh, I don't think this news has made its way to you yet. But you know, you and I talked a number of months ago about a horrific case of animal abuse in Erie, Pennsylvania, a former uh, mixed martial arts professional fighter, a guy who had actually had uh, some pro fights uh, against some recognizable names in some major organizations. A guy named Dan Swift had been uh, charged with dog fighting, pit bulls up there in Erie, Pennsylvania. You recall this story, right? Yeah, the thickhead that happened to be also a black belt instructor. That's right. Uh, under George Grigel, and it's my understanding that uh, Grigel has now revoked that black belt from him. And it, yeah, I mean, it, it hits uh, home personally for us for several reasons. One, of course, uh, one of my dogs is Mel, who was rescued from Michael Vick's dog fighting ring. So, uh, you know, I that, that hits very close to home for me in terms of what these guys still go through. And, and you see how traumatized Mel still is all these years later, uh, despite all the progress that he's made. And then secondly, of course, you mentioned this guy was a black belt. He was uh, a, a, a mixed martial artist. He trained jujitsu like, uh, like you and I do on uh, different levels of the discipline, but still, you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's like a, a, a black eye uh, on, on the entire sport and the, the discipline, because you know, people are going to read this, not knowing, uh, you know, how to differentiate from this guy and people who uh, respect the martial arts and think that, you know, he's typical of that. And so you and I were both very outspoken uh, about this guy needing to to uh, be uh, dealt justice. And uh, I am happy to say, Frank, that I was notified by the uh, Northwest Pennsylvania Humane Society, the folks up there who uh, I connected with, and I told them we were going to be covering the story on the air, and they told uh, me that they would keep you and I posted. Uh, Dan Swift has been convicted. He uh, has been found guilty of three felony counts of animal fighting, a misdemeanor count of possession of animal fighting paraphernalia, a misdemeanor count of possession of an instrument of crime, and seven out of 14 summary counts of cruelty to animals. He, uh, on the three felony counts, could serve a maximum of seven years in prison on each count. So uh, while he has not been sentenced yet, it looks like uh, Dan Swift is going to be going away for a while. I got his ball taken away. That makes me happy. It just shows that, you know, there's something besides just being, you know, proficient at able to, to fight, being a black belt in jiu-jitsu should represent more to the community of other jiu-jitsu competitors. And obviously, as human beings, you know, we're all flawed, and there's not, you know, the perfect guy out there. But I think that there's certain just traits that a fighter or a martial artist, a black belt, that, you know, the head of a gym should encompass and, you know, not harming those that can't protect themselves, I think it's probably a far cry from what any black belt should represent. Just to put this in perspective uh, to the point you just made, Frank, 14 dogs confiscated uh, from his property. And by the way, those dogs have been taken in and are being re rehabilitated by the Northwest Pennsylvania Humane Society. I get updates on those dogs, and I'm not sure if any of them have been adopted out just yet, but uh, it's a no-kill shelter, so, uh, you know, at the very least they're going to be rehabilitated and and what's probably likely is they're they're going to make some uh, some great uh, dogs for some forever homes when they find them just like my my dog Mel has but uh one of the things that they focused on uh 
in the trial, Frank, was that uh, the Erie police had charged Swift after three of his pit bulls were involved in a fight in his backyard in August. And they said that a, a dogfighting expert testified that what Swift was doing with the three dogs is that there was one younger dog in there and he had put the two uh, older dogs in there to gang up on the younger dog to do what they call, quote, schooling the younger dog. Uh, and, you know, just to in contrast to martial arts, I mean, let's just, could you ever imagine a scenario where some kid comes in and signs up for jujitsu class and a jujitsu instructor would say, okay, you two black belts go beat the shit out of him. No, it'd be a horrible way to train anybody. I mean, you know, uh, you might have one out of a million people that might rise to the occasion, but for the most part, that's just a scar and turn somebody away and create a monster, uh, you know, and something that is completely going to have no trust, no faith, and just, uh, you know, completely, completely be about self-preservation and be a survivalist. And, and that's a scary trait to have in a human or even a dog, you know. I don't think you want that to be as far as a productive member of our society. And that's why, you know, somebody like him, you know, Swift, uh, needs to be eliminated from our, our group and not allowed to contribute to society because what he's contributing is, uh, you know, just pain and, and, and disorderly. And it's, uh, it's just an awful human trait that he has. I'm going to tweet the link uh, to the entire story from our Twitter page at Phone Booth Fight, but I do want to make mention of this, Frank, because I know that uh, a number of our Phone Booth Fighting listeners were instrumental in assisting with this, and here's why. When we talked about this back in August, I heard from a lot of our listeners who uh, obviously were, were supportive of bringing this guy to justice and getting these dogs rescued. But some of those listeners that I heard from trained up in that area and knew who this guy was. He was active on some of the, the uh, martial arts message boards and things like that. They knew who this guy was, and, and some of them you know, didn't want to be named, but they were sending me links to things he had posted about dogfighting on Facebook and some of these message boards and things like this, bragging about the fact that uh, he, he engaged in it. And all those links uh, were forwarded to the district attorney. I made sure that she got all of them. And I just want to read this one quote uh, from uh, or the he got them rather uh, Jack Denary, the the district attorney. He was quoted uh, in the uh, in the Erie, Pennsylvania media as saying this quote, the jury told us that uh, the computer forensics, meaning Facebook pa uh, postings and things like that nature were very important to them in their verdicts and credit to so many people for putting this case together. So uh, I know there were a lot of people involved in it, but I have to think that at least in some small way, a few of our listeners might have helped with that because you start going through, you know, of course, this guy's going to plead ignorance. It was an accident. My dog's got in a fight by accident. I'm not doing any of this. And uh, the smoking gun, as much as anything else, was going through this guy's Facebook page and postings that he had made on message boards bragging uh, about doing this. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think I want to, I'm sure you'll echo this, but thank any of our listeners who might have forwarded any of those links and, and helped uh, hold this guy accountable. Absolutely. I mean, because, I mean, that takes, uh, you know, effort and time out of their day, and it shows that, you know, people still can do the right thing and stand up for what's right. And, uh, you know, and, and, and 
and go after and put forth the energy and time to make sure that, you know, and somebody is a, is a awful human being that they're held accountable for their actions. Yep. And uh, if you want to give the uh, Humane Society of Northwest Pennsylvania a follow, uh, you can find them on Twitter at Humane SOS NWPA. That's Humane SO. I'm sorry, SOS. Check that. Uh, it's actually Humane SOC NWPA. Humane SOC NWPA. PA and uh, you know give them a follow and uh, maybe message them and say hey thanks for taking those dogs in because not every shelter has the means to do that and it's a big undertaking take it from me and uh, what I saw uh, the folks up at Best Friend Sanctuary have to do with all the Vic dogs that were rescued and uh, so we're just I mean horrible that it happened but it feels good at least to know that uh, Swift was. Uh, was was brought to justice and the dogs were saved and that uh you know, you know you wanna... what's that justice was swift justice <laughs> was swift that's right and uh thanks to thanks to any of our li- why aren't you writing headlines for the newspaper up there frank they could have used you uh oh, spider-man there was one well, thanks to those guys up there are, uh, for, for uh, doing their jobs, and, and uh, also thanks to our listeners for uh, helping support it. All right, Frank, I'm going to let you get back to your uh, illegal escorting or whatever you're doing over there, and uh, i got to get back to the legal side of prostitution because uh, the bells are ringing, and uh, that means uh, you know the cash register is going to start ringing here in a second too. So uh, let's. Uh, when, how much longer are you going to be over there? I'm here until, uh, well, Thursday night. I'll be down in London uh, doing my last seminar here in the U.K., and then I'll uh, Friday I'll take off to go to uh, Gdansk, Poland, call the fights for ACB, and then uh, for Brian Lacey uh, and I, and we'll uh, be back. Uh, hopefully I'll be seeing you Sunday night or Monday at, uh, at uh, Mere Matter. All right. Well, we will be back together in the bunker, or you can rest assured at the very least connecting uh, telephonically like we're doing to keep the new episodes of Phone Booth Fighting coming to you guys twice weekly. If you missed Mrs. Mirror on the last episode, Frank, boy, that one turned out to be a hit. Uh, you were, uh, were our featured guest for part of the episode, but Mrs. Mirror really stole the show. So uh, go back and listen to our previous episode if you haven't caught it yet. What's that? <laughs> Don't let her know that she gets more downloads than I do now. Eh, it's too late. She already inquired about the numbers, so uh, I had to had to let her know she was a bona fide podcast star. All right, uh, let's tell everybody how to follow us on social media. If you want to follow him on social media, official Frank Mir on Facebook, the Frank Mir on Twitter and Instagram. Me, well, I'm on uh, Facebook at official Richard Hunter. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Richard Hunter and Frank. What about the show? How do they follow the show known as Phone Booth Fighting? Facebook and Instagram with Phone Booth Fighting and Snapchat, Twitter, it's Booth Fighting. All right. For Frank Mir, I'm Richard Hunter, and we'll see you back here next time for another episode of Phone Booth Fighting. Everybody was Kung Fu Fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit. But they fought with 